You test the idea, then you launch it in the marketplace. And that is your framework of, of success. Now, what I understand is that that framework, correct me if I'm wrong, but that framework can be used for large corporations or it can be also used for small businesses itself. Absolutely. I want to change lives. I want to show people how to progress in their money. I want to show people how to progress in their mindset. I want to show people how to progress in their brand so that way they can take care of their family, take care of their finances, and experience freedom. Welcome to the Business Owner Spotlight. Today, I'm so excited because today on today's episode, I have Andrew Peck. Now, Andrew Peck is the co-founder and the CEO of DXD Partners, and he's an internationally recognized leader. He's working at the intersection of strategy and innovation and, of course, technology. And Andrew is also known as the consultant's consultant. He's worked with and advised over 5,000 of the top global leaders across multiple industries to help them become more innovative and adaptive to change. He's also the host of the popular podcast, Consulting Unplugged. In addition, he's a former executive and global head of innovation for Pfizer Consumer Healthcare, and he's helped implement under a record number of innovations. And I'm super excited to have him on the podcast. Andrew, welcome to the Business Owner Spotlight. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. So, you know, first I want to start off with, what you, <clears throat> before I go to your, to your past, I want to start off with what you're currently working on. Tell me a little bit more about DXD uh, Partners and Stimulated. Yeah, sure. So uh, DXD Partners is a business that my co-founder and co-author on a number of different publications, she and I created on helping teach the process of what they call design thinking, creativity, and critical thinking combined to help executives, top leaders, or in organizations develop more innovative products, services, and uh, customer experiences. And over time, what we found is not only were was it in demand to come up with new innovative products, but uh, many companies called us in to help them with their organization culture. So how do you teach people to think and act more like innovators? And the, and the reason why we, we uh, called our company Disrupt by Design is you know, the whole process of disrupting, you have to think uh, out of the box. You have to reframe a problem. You just can't go with your first idea or notion. So we always ask our uh, uh, clients how to be more disruptive in their thinking. What, what is the next billion dollar idea, so to speak? And then there's a process of design. A design is anything that, you know, outside the natural world has been designed by another human for some kind of function or service. So it could be it could be a microphone, it could be an, uh, a computer, it could be uh, sneakers, doesn't matter. Anything that we design, somebody had to take in consideration, how is that going to serve that person? Is there a market for that? And is there value that they're gonna derive from that? So uh, we've had great fun, work with all sorts of industries and companies all over the world. And, um, you know, st still enjoying it uh, after, gosh, now 15, 16 years of doing this. Now, is there a formula to, to disruption, to, to disrupting a, an industry or a sector? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great question. And it's, it's uh, you know, we're sort of agnostic when it comes to industry. Obviously, we've worked in certain industries and have expertise in banking and finance, you know, we know healthcare, life sciences, consumer products, uh, uh, big tech, these sorts of things, organizations, obviously, we've worked in. 
but uh, it's our knowledge of how do you uh, solve a complex problem to come up with a you know product or a solution that will generate commercial value or, or, or create breakthrough success. And there is a formula. So you always the first step is first framing what the challenge is. What's the problem? You know, is it a customer issue? It's an uh, engineering issue, product issue, service issue. What is it? Try to reframe the problem. And then you go out and do research. You know, you do some discovery, you go out and get some insights and not just market research, but you spend time with the users in mind and really kind of walk in their shoes. So it's more empathy based, like you really try to understand what their pain points are. And then based on those insights, then you start to develop ideas, like what kind of ideas are. And then the sooner that you can actually prototype them, test them, validate them, then you're uh, that much further along for commercializing something that is is viable in the marketplace. So it, we teach and help executives go through very systematic kind of process, which is, uh, you know, when you think about innovation, everybody thinks about it as creativity, crazy-tivity, and those sorts of things. But there's actual discipline to the approach and, and how you innovate, um, which sometimes seems counterintuitive, uh, if you know what I mean. So based on what I grabbed from you right now uh, in this moment is innovation is really a six step process. The first the first step is you discover the problem or you discover or state what the problem is. And then you do research and discovery where you're spending time with the users of, of your solution. And then the third, third step is you develop new ideas. Fourth step is you prototype those ideas. Fifth is you validate those ideas. And then six is you test those ideas. Is that am I on the right path? Yeah, exactly. And, and and then you're ready to launch it in the marketplace, right? Here's why that is so important to do those upfront sort of creative critical thinking steps, because oftentimes you might have a great idea. You and I come up with, something, oh, people are going to love this, right? This product, I'm going to go out and try to sell it. And there's really no market for it. Or you don't work out the kinks. It just doesn't work. And, and, and so the uptake on it is poor why you need to frame the problem, do the research in advance is so that you really know with confidence, both from a user perspective and a business commercial perspective, you're going to make some money off of this. You're going to have success with it. You're going to have impact. So I own a software company and my software company is a marketing technology. So a CRM really focused, driven by marketing. <clears throat> now, your your framework seems plausible for a software company, but is there other industries? So you know, I'm I'm already thinking like, okay, do the research and discovery, spend time with the users on on an empathetic level. Where and I'm already thinking in my head like, okay, maybe I should start con contacting some of my users on a deeper level and see how they're using my services and my 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 tool. But what other industries? Uh, would this framework work for? Because as I go through your, your your site, I see Citibank, I see Pfizer, I see Kraft. So I see different industries and different companies. So what other industries could this specific framework work for? Yeah, I mean, really any, uh, honestly, and I don't mean to be just sort of overly general, but it's, it's true so that anywhere that you have a product or service and a customer involved in the relationship, you can always come up with a more innovative, attractive, you know, a solution for them. So, so for example, like in healthcare, you know, it's like you're, you know, when you're launching a new um, uh, medicine or, or, or a therapeutic, you know, you really want to understand 
how will the patient experience this? So if it's a medical device, you spend time with patients understanding how they use it. Can they use it? Is it safe? Is it effective? All these sorts of things. Same thing for banking. If let's say you're looking to buy, a, a, get a mortgage or get a, a capital to fund your business, you know, how does the bank serve you? Do they understand how they develop a relationship with you? What's the experience online? What's the experience in person? Any business where you're looking to come up with creative solutions to get more customers that will buy your product or services, this methodology would apply. Um, hopefully that makes sense. Um, 100%. Now, is this something that, that this framework, is this something that you developed over time through experience or you were taught this, someone, someone taught this to you? How did you discover this framework in the first place? Yeah, great question. Um, some combination of the two. So. Uh, you know, there's this old saying, I stand on the shoulders of giants. You know, I, I was very fortunate in my career to be mentored by some really smart, bright people who were either engineers or marketers or technologists. And so I learned from them, of course. So it would be unfair for me to say that, oh, I just like concede this uh, yeah. all by myself. But I developed my own sort of uh, a version of it and tested it out over years, both inside of organizations and then when I had my own practice. And have perfected it still. And, and, and the distinguishing feature is twofold. I focus on um, a discipline, like you said, these, these steps in the process. So there's a structure to it. But I also focus on the behaviors and mindsets that are needed in each of the phases. So, for example, in the early phases, you know, you're really trying to uh, be open to new information, insights. We, you don't we, want to go we say early phases. We're talking about early phases of running a new business. Right, exactly. You know, you want to running a new business or coming up with a new solution, right? You know, you want to kind of diverge first, think of what's possible. So that's a mindset of openness, creativity. You know, you don't want to just like shoot down the first you know, ideas because you think, oh, that's really going to suck. You want to be open to it. But at some point, as you as you kind of get information about what's possible, you know, you do have to make decisions about what's going to really work. You know, they're the old saying, there's no ugly babies. Well, there are some ugly babies, you know, right? You know, you have to be make the hard as a business person, make the choice of saying, you know what, this is this is going to earn us money. This is going to be commercially successful. This is going to really wow our customers. So question for you. So, so we have a, a, a large group of different entities that you've worked with from Hershey, Johnson & Johnson City, uh, City National Bank, Ericsson Craft, Estee Lauder. What would these companies come to you for? And then how can that information support a small business owner who's in the starting of the business or maybe is in year one through five? Yeah, fantastic. Um, uh, you know, these companies have come, you know, obviously these bigger corporations, more mature and established, are looking to either grow or, you know, do something better or do something new and better or do something completely new, like in terms of a product or a service. So oftentimes these companies will come to us and, and they want us to do, you know, help them in some of the early research and development of some concepts right so that's what they'll ask us to do so that's a pure more consultative thing but over the years and being a small business owner and entrepreneur myself we have increasingly shifted our focus to emerging entrepreneurs uh, 
um, who are just starting out their business. So uh, typically what we'll do is uh, apply the same methodology to first say, who's your ideal avatar, right? Who are you trying to serve? Um, how much do you know about them? Do you spend time? What are their problems? What are their challenges? And then, you know, the, the offering or the solution or the products that you have in mind to solve for their problems, are they going to want to buy them and, and then do the, the prototyping and testing, like I said, and that'll help to then develop your business, you know, plan, right? This is our business plan. Any good entrepreneur should have some form of a business plan that they have a grasp with their market. They have a grasp with their customer and they they have a, an idea that's um, going to win in the marketplace. And so, so and that, that brings me to the next question, because that, that's, that's pretty valuable, the, 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 the business plan. And I think that what I've, what I've seen is that there are individuals, like there's a spectrum of individuals with uh, information about the direction that they're going in. And in this spectrum, to the left, you have the, the people who are essentially directionless, and then to the right, you have people who have a well-documented plan, but they don't even take action at all um, until the whole plan is laid out. So their plan has been in the works for the last five years, maybe a decade, that their plan has been in the works. So you have this broad spectrum. At what point in the spectrum should a, a small entrepreneur be between the point of being directionless, directionless or the point of, of having so much direction, you're, you're stagnant? Where should you be in the middle? Yeah, that's a brilliant question. I think it, you're right. Some people are quite rigid and 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 will, you know, do navel gazing for the rest of their life and never act upon it. And other people are, like you said, a little more um, just all over the place. Right. And so where's the optimal balance between the two? Uh, now, this will sound like a typical consulting answer. It kind of depends a little bit. Right. Um, but I, I would air for it. advocacy is like, uh, get enough clarity, do the, the, the um, initial kind of hard work uh, in advance to just try to understand an idea that you might have had, even if it just came through on a walk or in the shower and you said, oh, man, this is going to really be exciting. Go and test it and, you know, really try to understand that. And the sooner you can prototype it, get feedback in the marketplace and not have to worry about all the exhausting sort of testing and, and perfection of a business plan. Just try to get it out there. Good entrepreneurs. How long should just someone be like be, be out? Like how <clears throat> how long should a plan be out? Is it, hey, think six months ahead and that's really that's really it? Or is it like, hey, have a five-year plan? Some people are like, have a 10-year plan. So how long? Uh, one of my mentors, Les Brown, his son was talking about having a hundred-year plan. You know, so like you got the you got the hey, I'm just I just know about next week. And some people are like, hey, I'm thinking 100 years down the road. What is the sweet spot for someone who's in year one to five? Where should they really be thinking as far as, you know, the direction that they're going into? Yeah, great question. You can have a vision as far as 100 years. Absolutely. And I encourage that kind of vivid imagination. However, I wouldn't I, I would uh, practically speaking, say, think a year out. The world is changing yeah. so much. It's so dynamic. Uh, Mark Benioff, who's the 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 CEO of uh, Salesforce. What's that? Yeah, the CEO of Salesforce. Yep. Yeah, exactly. He uh, talks about that. He challenges uh, his 
his executive team all the time. Uh, I've, I've worked with with them in, in years past. One of their right hand people that I've worked with uh, closely over the years, and he talked about how Mark always advises. You know, he puts a challenge to his team. He said, "In the next year, you know, we're going to accomplish these goals." And then in the hackathon like uh, fashion, he says, he just unleashes his teams to just figure it out. So, he, of course, he has a vision, you know, a long term vision. But in terms of strategic planning and execution, it is short term. It's like you go, you know, it's a sprint. Right. Mm. And, and, and the more agile you are, the better. And I think that's one of the obviously marked advantages as entrepreneurs have is uh Quickness, you know, you need to be nimble on your feet. So let me ask you that. Let me ask you now that we're going there and, and we're talking from a high le- higher level business perspective of a business owner, not a solopreneur, but a business owner who owns a business and has employees. <clears throat> do you believe that if if you were to follow that that essentially that, that process where you're like, hey, let's put a year's a year plan together and let's make it into a sprint where you're trying to come, you know, do a lot in a short period of time. Could that have a negative impact in, in the longevity of your team members or that leadership team being there because they are constantly being bombarded with like, Hey, we have this big goal. or We have this big uh, uh, milestone to hit. Could that, could uh, that affect employee yeah. retention is, is really what I'm trying to figure out. Or is that direction that you want to take, you know, you, you would share with the business owner like, Hey, go in that direction. Well, you know, it uh, it kind of it depends on, on the stage at which you are. So a ma- more mature business, yeah, I think as it becomes more sophisticated and more involved, um, you know, uh, building culture and the systems and execution and retention of employees and how you generally care for uh, individuals in the workplace becomes increasingly more important. It doesn't diminish, though, you don't want to be brutal, you know, yeah. in a startup yeah. fashion. But it, but when you're in a startup, you have to be scrappy, you have to be resourceful, and you need to attract people who are dedicated to uh, being sprinters at first, right? And and then maybe over time, you know, you hopefully have uh, versatile, to kind of extend the metaphor, athletes who can, you know, not just always sprint, but who can also be endurance, long di- distance and you know, runner, so to speak, and 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 um, help you to sustain and build systems so that the business can uh, operate on itself. Amazing, amazing. So, so before I go on a date, before I go uh, do a speaking engagement, um, or pretty much before, you know, it's just it's just sitting in my car. The Listerine breath strips, I use them. What was your <laughs> invo- <laughs> what was your involvement, and how did that come about? Yeah, so you know, I just I worked with a bunch of brilliant uh, both uh, marketers, research and development, you know, s- scientists and and the like. You know, my my simple contribution was the process to help teams really come up with the right set of sol- uh, ideas. So to uh, first, we started with a question. You know, we we had a, 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 a billion dollar franchise called Listerine mouthwash business, uh, number one in the marketplace. And we did market research and we we discovered that if we could increase the frequency of mouthwash use by one occasion, you know, so about two ounces per, you know, the, the cup uh, per day, it could represent uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in new revenue. 
But we said, well, we don't know how we might do that other than traditional sort of product extension and, and marketing and, and so forth. And so we applied innovative design thinking a, a approach to it and spent time with our consumers and discovered they were looking for a more convenience-based solution. They didn't want to carry a bottle around of Listerine yeah. in their car, or briefcase, got messy, all that sort of thing. Instead, they were looking for something that was more portable. And that's where the light bulb started to occur as we started to think about it. We said, well, what form might it come in? Could it be a two? Could it be a some other form? Um, uh, and, and so as we started to experiment more, we emerged with this idea of what if it were in like a film strip, right? And 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 so it took years to perfect that. So I wasn't, you know, I I didn't come up with the science on that, but I help you know teams think about how they you know look at that product in that marketplace and initiate and launch um, you know something that is more convenient. That's when the Listerine pocket packs emerge. And voila, it, you know, resulted in a very successful commercial uh, franchise for the business. Amazing, amazing. So as we wrap up, what I understood from today's podcast episode is that there is a framework to building success and innovation. Number one, um, I added a question to step to step one, because in the Listerine example, uh, you didn't start off with a problem. You started off with a question. So number yes. step one is to have a problem or a question that you're looking, so a problem that you're looking to solve or a question you're looking to answer. Step two is to do research and discovery, similar to what Andrew did uh, with the Listerine deal. He he spent time with the users, the end users. So it's not necessarily like a software when you say users, it's the end user or the customer who's using the product or the service itself. So to spend time with them and do research and discovery and see what their additional needs are, and that's going to allow you to innovate. Now, based on that data, you're going to take that data and you're going to develop new ideas. And then you'll prototype those ideas. So in that example, like with Listerine, you have the idea, then you prototype the actual Listerine packet or the spray, the chew, trying to figure out what, what that looks like. Then you validate the ideas. So I'm assuming that that's by giving it to a beta group or a small group of end users to see if, if it's you know going the right direction that you want. You test the idea, then you launch it in the marketplace. And that is your framework of, of success. Now, what I understand is that that framework, correct me if I'm wrong, but that framework can be used for large corporations or it can be also used for small businesses itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it is a really winning formula. It, no matter where you are in the journey of your development of your organization. So light, lightning round. Lightning rounds where I ask you three questions. Uh, favorite, your favorite uh, book? My favorite book is uh, Think Fast, Think Slow. Think Fast, Think Slow. I did it. Yeah, by da Daniel uh, Kahneman. It's a brilliant book. It kind of reinforces a lot of what I'm talking about. So there's you got to be quick on your feet, but you know it, it's important to pause as well. Favorite podcast? Besides yours, unplugged. <laughs> yours, because yeah, like I said, you have a million dollars, and you are. I'm so inspired by your, you know, your questions and your energy. Um, um, I'll, I'll maybe add, of course, you know, Joe Rogan is uh, is kind of fun. And uh, Tim Ferriss. I like Tim Ferriss. Amazing. Amazing. One word that represents your business or your vision. One word uh, uh, or vision. Um, oh, can I have a couple words? Uh, right, a couple words. <laughs> unlock human promise. 
Unlock Human Promise. I love it. Love it. Andrew Peck, thank you so much for being on the episode of today's Business Owner Spotlight. Thank you for having me. It was a great fun. Right on. I want to change lives. I want to show people how to progress in their money. I want to show people how to progress in their mindset. I want to show people how to progress in their brand so that way they can take care of their family, take care of their finances, and experience freedom.